Hey, what's going on? This is Marty from the Grass Station Podcast, and welcome to episode six. Today, we're going to be talking about fertilizer. If you haven't yet, please go back, listen to the first few episodes. I talked about the importance of soil testing and equipment needs, along with our mowing frequency and irrigation practices. These are critical to today's discussion, and I really want you to have an understanding of those things before we start talking about products to be purchasing based on what equipment you've chosen to purchase. For those of us that are ready and are thinking about our program this season, it's a great time to start thinking about what to put down into the yard. So with that, stick around. It's going to be a fun one. So jumping into the products, they're really heavily dependent on the equipment that we've chosen and the soil test results that we've been able to get from, from our soil tests. Now, I had done a soil test in my property back in March, where actually if you were if you go to the YouTube channel, I, yeah, I've got a new YouTube channel. <laughs> it's got one video on there about how to understand your soil plugs. And this is what I did. I pulled all my plugs and I kind of went through my process there with what you guys need to be doing in order to review your soil. It's really critical to be able to investigate what each one of those plugs mean before you send your soil off to get the proper nutritional analysis done on them. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, check that out. It's really fun. I was kind of embarrassed by the plugs that I pulled because the thatch layer is so thick and I really got to do a lot there. And, but you got to remember that my property is only a year old and, and the builders did a terrible job at you know, adding topsoil and making sure that everything was, was prepared in the soil. So I'm going to be dealing with that for several years. Now, no, other people may not be in this situation. They maybe have a good baseline of soil to be working with. And if you're in that case, I still encourage you to get a soil test so that we know exactly what to be adding to your yard. And this is an area that most people will just kind of get intimidated by and stop and, and then maybe hire a true green service or a different service to start fertilizing their yards because they don't know what the lawn needs and they don't know how often to apply it and at what quantities. So this is where, you know, we run into that wall where maybe we have the willingness, but we don't have the knowledge to move forward. Maybe we have some of the equipment, but not all of the, the equipment that we need. So again, that's, that's really why I wanted to encourage you to go back and listen to those, those first few episodes, because that sets the core foundation for all of our next steps. That piece of understanding our equipment, understanding how often to irrigate, understanding how often to mow, those are somewhat universal concepts, whereas these moving forward are going to be very specific to what you and your soil needs based on what equipment you've chosen and what your soil tests have resulted in. So... When you choose to, to start to think about these products, and right now is a really good time, right? We're in the middle of May. Normally, what would happen is you'd get lots of spring rains and things like that to kind of help out with your irrigation. This year was not the case. One of the driest Mays we've seen here in Illinois. You've also been, you know, blessed with an early green up by just the nature of what spring, spring is. Those rains and, and the nutrition that rain is able to provide your lawn usually will give you that green up. Again, we haven't had that opportunity here yet. So a lot of people are not super concerned about what products to be putting down until you start to reach right now, mid-May, early June, preparing for your summer months before it's too hot to start applying products or to continue applying products or whatever the case may be for you in your situation. But when you choose to hire out and you don't want to look too closely at to what you're putting into your yard and you choose, you know, say a true green or a service like that, then you kind of don't, you kind of check out, right? You don't think about what your lawn needs and, and how it can be successful because you say, well, I pay a service to do that. 
Well, that service oftentimes is not going to tell you how to be successful, right? With that product that they put down, say they come and they apply a fertilizer product in April or May, whenever you choose to have them come out, you've checked that box. You're not thinking about it after that, but what they're failing to do is to tell you how to be successful with that application. They aren't supplying the additional resources that you need when they leave to be knowledgeable on how to be successful with the irrigation, especially when they're using, you know, like a high nitrogen product. Not all of them do this. I don't want to kind of blanket statement all of the fertilizer companies, but oftentimes what they're doing to, to save costs are they're applying a high nitrogen product with very little, if none, organic material. So it's all synthetic and it's very high nitrogen. Well, that product then is going to sit at the top of your thatch layer right before the soil level. It's not going to get break, broken down. It's not going to go down into the soil where the roots need it to absorb. And what it's going to do, it's going to start to fry your grass. Now, like I said, usually we've got you know early spring rains to help us out there. But this year we haven't. And several of my neighbors who do have a professional service are experiencing burnout where they normally wouldn't. You know, They would normally have very green lawns here in the early spring because they don't have to think about it. But this year is different. It's very dry, very dry here in May. So that's one of the things that I have. It's not so much that these companies are not applying products or they're killing your yard or whatever the case may be, but they're not setting you up for success by telling you what it needs. Every fertilizer that you put down is going to need at least a quarter of an inch of water to water it in. That should be common sense, but to a lot of people it's not, especially if you're paying a service. So, you know, say... If you're not the one that's looking into your situation, then ultimately no one else is going to care about your property more than you do. So you have to go that extra mile to figure out, okay, they've put down a product. What did they put down? How do I water in? You can be very successful with a company like True Green. You can be very successful with a different service that fertilizes your yard. If you understand the basic concepts, things like how often to mow, how often to irrigate, what equipment you'll need to be successful, right? So if you're going to do that, go for it by all means hire a service but understand that there are still things that you need to do in order to make sure that that service is being effective it's not like you just paid them and it's done and it works you know in an ideal world it'd be nice to just kind of write the check and be done with it but it doesn't work that way if you choose to go the route of doing this yourself you know i talked about it in episode one the importance of a soil test I really, really encourage you to do that. If there's no reason why you're not able to do that, go ahead, check out that YouTube video. I show you the entire process of analyzing your soil you know, probes and how to break it up to send it into the little Petri dish and, and how to send it off from start to finish. I've done that. But if not, you know, that's fine. Like a certain neighbor of mine chooses to go to the big box stores and purchase you know, a, a fertilizer product that they have displayed out there. And what's oftentimes happening is that it's like a Scott's product and, and they don't have any organic material. So straight nitrogen, like a 4600 nitrogen product. And that'll give you a green up, sure. You know, he does water, doesn't necessarily water the right way, but um, it's a totally different conversation. But the point here is that he's using this product that doesn't have any organic material and he'll get a, a response from that. But over time the soil structure starts to lose its ability to feed the microbes and the essential living organisms that are critical to the overall health of our lawn. Now, the idea here is that we want to create an environment for the soil that's ideal for the plants to grow and the soil microbiology to thrive. 
those fertilizers lack in the beneficial filler material that's used to pelletize the, the granules. You know, what will happen is you've got the three numbers on the, on the front of your fertilizer bag. It'll say 4600 or 101010 or 1801 or whatever you want to have. Those are the percentages of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Oftentimes, unless you are reading the bag, it's not telling you up front what's inside of the filler material. So 1801, that's 18% nitrogen, 0% phosphorus, 1% potassium. Well, what's the other, you know, 81% of that material? It's going to be some kind of filler material, right? So think about that. When we look at our fertilizers, we want to be thinking about what's in them, just like everything else that we're choosing to apply to our yard. Does it have biosolid? Does it have carbon inside of it? We know how important it is to get a soil test, and that's where some of you are going to lose me because if you're choosing not to get a soil test, you can still be successful. But I, I really think that if you're taking the time to listen to this information in, in its entirety, you've got the time to go pull a couple plugs in your yard, go investigate what's going on in your soil, send it off to the lab and learn what's exactly in there so you can develop a program around what your needs are. It's not like everyone can say, this is what you need for the spring. This is what you need for the fall. This is what you need for summer, etc. It's all specifically catered to what your program requires. Yes, in an ideal world, you could just choose a product and throw it down and say, well, this is the start of my season. I'm going to use a starter fertilizer. Well, if you've been having product applied regularly, then you probably don't need a starter fertilizer because that starter is going to have high levels of phosphorus. And phosphorus take a very long time to be used up in your soil. So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm going to go over some of what my soil specifically looks like and, and run down exactly what my plan has been here coming up in a few minutes. But it's very important to make sure that we're adding material to our soil. First of all, that is what our soil needs. And second of all, that we're doing our best to build humus in the soil to, to, to help ourselves long term. We need to increase the vitality of the soil that we that we manage, right? So, and you're, you're probably looking at yourselves thinking, what's humus? Did he just say hummus? Like when I dip my carrots in and broccoli in? No, it's, it's not. The, the humus in our soil is kind of that top several inches of, of what most people would consider topsoil that is very effective at managing the nutrients and the water so that it doesn't evaporate. And, and one of the biggest pieces of building humus is that it's going to eliminate carbon in the surrounding areas. And there's a lot of people that will not consider this process of building humus in the soil, and they'll just start throwing synthetic fertilizers at their yard every year, every year, every year. Well, over time, you're losing that topsoil. You're losing the nutrients that can be held in the soil. And long-term, you're losing the ability for it to pull the carbon out of the air and into the soil where it belongs. It stores carbon naturally. Now, there's a TED Talk about humus and what it is that I really like. And I'll post it to the YouTube channel or I'll post it to the, uh, the Facebook and Instagram channel so you guys can review that and listen to it. It's really great. I actually got kind of emotional when you start to think about how we can change the world with our ability to rebuild our soil and how agriculture has, has dramatically you know, impacted our global health. 
and what we can do on a regular basis, what us in our yards can do to make a difference is very impacting to like to to a DIYer who otherwise is just maintaining their lawn, but to realize grass actually, you know, is, is more effective at emitting oxygen than trees are. It's almost 20% more effective. So if we can be good about making sure that our lawns are healthy, healthily maintained and our soil is healthily maintained, we're doing our part on a global scale, right? And that's, of course, like the, the macro, the big picture that I'm trying to get at. And that's something I'm very good at. I like to look at a problem and then analyze it from, from this global perspective and narrow it down into specific areas that we can amend to make things better. So yeah, thinking about that, I'll, I'll post that. It's really important, but that, that's ultimately what my goal is, is to make sure that I'm not putting into my soil anything that it doesn't require, as well as making sure that I'm providing it with the materials that will hopefully build humus over time to, to make that environment as, as fruitful as possible for the microbial life, as well as for my, for my plant to grow and for my plant to thrive. So I'm going to jump into my soil test results here and then walk you through some of the different products that I've already applied and different things that I'm going to apply. Now, keep in mind, like I've said, this is a new construction home that has very little topsoil. So I am doing everything in my power to, to build that humus because there's nothing there. So I'm going to be adding products that maybe everybody doesn't need. So think about that as I'm going through this scenario. I'm also going to be talking you through a couple of different scenarios and different products that you might want to be choosing based on different results that you might get. So first of all, one of the most critical pieces here is pH. And if your pH is high, then you need to go about reducing that as much as possible. You do not want to use products that have high pH and you want to really focus on getting your, your pH into an optimal level. Now, an optimal level is, is between like a 6 and a 7. And ideally, you're kind of right in the middle there, like a 6.3 to a 6.4. My soil test came back at about a 7.3. So I know that that's high, and I know that I need to focus on reducing that pH. Now, culturally speaking, in our area, in Illinois, we will be experiencing low pH, and therefore the hardware stores and the different places that you can purchase your product from are going to have more materials available to you that raise your pH versus bring down your pH. Because think about it from like a marketing perspective. They don't want to have a lot of products for situations that are not as common. You know, so they know people in this area are typically going to be raising their pH. So for me, I'm in a difficult spot because I need to reduce my pH now, if you need to increase your pH, you can use things like lime, limestone. Um, but again, I so I recommend this one particular vendor that I really, really like is Jonathan Green. And you can find Jonathan Green products at most Ace Hardwares. The problem is, at my Ace Hardware, they don't sell the product that I need in order to reduce my pH. Because again, most people are trying to increase it. So I had to purchase that online. It's a little bit separate. So what I did, I purchased this Magical Plus for alkaline soils to reduce pH. And this bag came at like, I think it was a 54 pound bag. The idea is that you want to throw like three to four pounds per 1,000 square feet. And you do this a couple times throughout the season. And then once you hit that optimal range, once you've done a soil test and you're at the right range, you reduce your, your applications to then just keep it where it's at. 
This gets applied hand in hand with the I Love My Soil, which is also a product from Jonathan Green. And again, this is about feeding the soil those basic nutrients and making sure that that pH is in the right balance and that we're giving the right nutrients in the, in the materials that we need in order to, to thrive that microbial life, right? And I'll get into some of the specifics with each one of these different nutrients, right? So for me, that was a priority. Get the pH right. And so, again, I bought this, this Magic Health product, and you can buy it online. You can buy it through Yardmaster. You can buy it through a couple other places. I ended up buying it directly from Jonathan Green's website and had them ship it to me. It was not super cheap, but when you look at what it's got, it's got humic acid in there. It's got different biochar, uh, a couple other things that are really good. That filler material is really good. But it's also putting down sulfur. And sulfur is a very difficult product to put down in kind of a conventional sense here. The sulfur that you usually would be able to apply, and again, you can get this at certain stores, but it's not ground up fine enough for it to be utilized in the soil right away. So most people will put down a sulfur thinking that, you know, they're going to reduce their pH, but if they, and they, they could bomb it hard with sulfur, and it ultimately isn't going to do very much because it's not being broken down into the soil. So this Magical, they use whatever, you know, science they've got to, to break it down really, really well. And that it will ultimately, over a few waterings, will break into the soil and will help to reduce your pH pretty much right away. Now, what you maybe would have seen take two or three seasons now maybe takes two or three applications, which is great. And we want to make sure that we're, we're doing everything we can to get into the optimal range. And so I've chosen to go with the Magical Plus for alkaline soils. It's a, it's a great product for you to use. And now if you have to raise your pH, you, they also make a product that will raise your pH. So look into that. Look into those. That's got to be a number one priority for you to make sure that your pH is in balance. And then we start to get into those three macronutrients that we are feeding our lawn with on a regular basis. And again, this is so critical to our soil test that we do not want to be adding material to our soil that we do not need. So looking at my test right here, nitrogen, my total nitrogen was listed at about a 1.6. Um, and the optimal range for that is between like, you know, uh, between a, maybe a 6 and a 20, right? So we know we've got to apply nitrogen there. Absolutely. We've got to get that down. So pretty much any product that I choose to work with will have nitrogen in it because that's what a lot of people assume fertilizer is. It's just nitrogen. It's that first number on the fertilizer bag, but it's not. And, and it's important to understand where your levels are to see how high your nitrogen can go. So this is a good opportunity for me to segue for a second here and talk about some of the other things that people are using that I don't particularly recommend. A lot of people will choose to use a weed and feed product, right? And let me, let me tell you why I don't like that product. So when you get a weed and feed product, oftentimes it's going to have nitrogen in there and it's also going to have some kind of herbicide, granular herbicide. You're going to reach your maximum on what you can apply with the nitrogen pretty quickly because those products are designed to give you a green up. Remember I was saying earlier that those Scott's products or whatever brand you choose to use could be an Ace Hardware brand. I did this, my first mistake was using a weed and feed product on my lawn probably seven years ago when I first purchased my home. And I noticed that there was a little bit of green up, but nothing really happened with my 
with my weeds and I was angry with that. Well, you have to understand what's happening in the soil, right? So that product, let's just look at the turf builder. This is Scott's turf builder that you can get from Home Depot. I'm pulling it up here now. The analysis on this shows me it's got a 28% nitrogen and only a 3% potash, which is your potassium. And it's a 0% phosphorus. So if, if you're really low on nitrogen, using this product that has 28% nitrogen, you're going to run into issues with making sure that you're hitting the, the levels that you need to with the herbicide to be effective and then not over applying nitrogen to make sure that you don't burn the lawn. This is a critical piece here. When you do the weed and feed, you need to do more math because you find out that that 28% nitrogen, you maybe need three times the amount of what the bag is telling you in order to get the proper amount of herbicide to kill what's in your lawn. But what you've done there, if you use three times that amount, then you're looking at you know, close to 80% nitrogen. And if you apply this at like anything more than, you know, a pound or two per thousand square feet, first of all, it's gonna be very difficult to, to get that out in the right form, you know? And second of all, you're losing all that control. You're losing your control with the nitrogen. You can't apply nitrogen products elsewhere. You can't apply additional nitrogen when you've put in that much, right? And you're also cutting yourself short on where, what it, you need for herbicide. So when you look at this, the amount of herbicide that's in it is 1.2% 2,4-D, which is fine. I mean, 2,4-D is a great weed killer. You know, we use that in different areas, but this is something that only 1.2% is not going to be very effective if you have a completely overrun lawn of weeds. And a granular takes time to break down and it's just not giving you the flexibility that you need to be fully successful, right? So you're running into issues with being un inflexible with your nitrogen, and you're running into issues where you're not putting enough herbicide to actually make a difference in, in the lawn. So what that does is it gives you a really quick green up because you throw it down heavy, right? And that gives you a lot of nitrogen, and that's great. But you're expecting it to then kill your weeds when only 1.2%, and maybe that's effective, but in reality, it's hard to measure. And what it's doing, though, if it's not actively killing your weeds, then it's it's building a resistance to them. And what I like to do with weeds, and I'm going to talk about this in a different episode, herbicides need to be applied to weeds multiple times to be effective. Optimally, you would use multiple modes of action to kill those weeds to kill it dead. You do not want to, to kind of kill a weed and then have it come back stronger because it's going to build an immunity to that. That's how we build these special like Pro Vista grasses where they're glyphosate tolerant and you know, small doses of the herbicide on a, on a regular basis will ultimately build a resistance. And then you're, you're stuck with it. You got to just dig it up or, or resod or reseed, whatever you have to do. So that was kind of a sidestep on weed and feeds and why I don't particularly like them. Because when we're talking about the amount of nitrogen that goes into our into our lawn, that's one of the things that we have to measure appropriately. If you're putting down a product that's got 28% nitrogen, you cannot overapply that because you're going to totally fry your lawn with too much nitrogen. You're going to burn the lawn. And you're ultimately not going to get the effectiveness that you need from, from the herbicide. So I always split my applications. I always do a separate herbicide application and I always do a separate fertilizer application. I don't like to join them. If you do, that's Totally up to you. And there's lots of scenarios where you can do that. 
you know, there's a lot of people that will disagree on me with that. Um, for instance, I disagree with myself on that when I'm doing a seeding project and I use a Scott's starter fertilizer. I talked about that one in the first episode. And, um, you know, there's a time and there's a place, but oftentimes when we're looking to fertilize our yards, weed and feeds are not it. You know, that starter fertilizer that I talk about is something I use when I'm doing a seeding project because it's one of the only products on the on the line that allows you to put seed down with a pre-emergent product like Mesotrione or Tenacity. So that's one of the products that has it, and I like it, but I don't use that in my like regular fertilizer program. We're talking about just regular monthly, every six to eight weeks, what we're putting down to feed the lawn. I do not like weed and feed products for that reason. So I know that my nitrogen is low, and I know that pretty much whatever I choose to purchase now at this point will need to have a good amount of nitrogen, and that's fine. And then going down further, I'm looking at my phosphorus levels. That's that second letter, you know, the second number on the fertilizer bag. Phosphorus is P. I'm at about a five in the front yard and about a two in the backyard. So I know I can use some phosphorus. The, the optimal range there is between like a four and a 10. You know, you don't want to be below four. You don't want to be above 10. So I know what I choose to use in terms of fertilizer here is going to be something that has phosphorus. I really want to have something that has phosphorus. And, I, and then I'll know. This is another good piece. This is what people don't really aren't aware of. How long does it take for each one of these products to kind of fade away in your soil? Or how long does it take for your grass to uptake these nutrients? That's very important based on your pH. So some things may sit in the soil for a long time. Other things may be leached out by large rains or frequent, frequent, frequent ir irrigation. Some things may never be used up and they just sit in the soil, right? And, that, and that's a difficult thing to, to gauge if you're new. But having an understanding here, like phosphorus, we know will sit in the soil far longer than our nitrogen and our potassium. So what I choose to use should have some phosphorus, but I don't need an excessive amount of phosphorus, right? So then I'll know my fertilizer products going forward should not have phosphorus. I'm going to use whatever I can that's got phosphorus, bulk it up, let it be where it needs to be for a while, and then maybe in a year from now I can reintroduce phosphorus. But I know that this first initial application is going to need some phosphorus to get that boosted. I want to be towards the upper bound, towards the upper bound. I don't want to be at the upper bound, towards the upper bound for my phosphorus levels. And then looking at potassium, potassium is a really critical nutrient that most people aren't thinking about, but it's one of the things that's, that's often overlooked. And one of the things that really can benefit our lawn, especially when you're starting to see stress and you're starting to see issues within your lawn, is probably indicative that your potassium levels are, are low. The, I've talked about this too before, where you can start to think about these three nutrients in the analogy of up, down, and around. You know, nitrogen is going to give you your top growth, down phosphorus is going to give you your root growth, and around potassium is going to give you your overall health. Now that's that's really important. So there's a there's a product out there that a lot of people like to use, which is kind of a starter product that, well, I shouldn't say starter. It has its place, it has its time, and it's a really great product, but it's not a serve-all product. It's a it's called Melorganite, and it's a 640 product. So that means 6% nitrogen, 4% phosphorus, and 0% potassium. People often use this product as their staple standalone fertilizer. And they'll see great results for multiple years. And then all of a sudden something happens. They're just like, why am I not getting the same results? 
But what's happening over time is you're using this product, you're building you're not building potassium because it's a 640 and you're adding too much phosphorus. If this is the only fertilizer that you're using, then you're putting down way too much phosphorus. And this is like when, say for instance, you've got somebody that's like new to the, the lawn care world, maybe a year into it, they've seen great results. And now they're like, dude, what, what's going on? This is why, because all of a sudden they'll realize They've got way too much phosphorus. And if they keep applying this one singular product over and over and over again, they're not going to continue to get those results that they saw initially. So think about that. What you use today is not what you're going to use next season, possibly. What you use right now is not going to be what you use next year or the year after or, or whatever, based on what your soil needs, right? So let's go even a little further. Those are the macronutrients, and those are the things that you're going to see on the front of your fertilizer bag, right? This is an area that's going to really set different fertilizers apart. You know, when you go and you get Scott's Turf Builder or whatever, you know, that's that's going to have your nitrogen. It's going to have a little bit of the others, but it's not going to be fruitful in its ability to deliver the micronutrients. And that's a really important piece. We can't forget about these micronutrients, you know, things like magnesium, calcium, you know, those are really, really important factors into the overall health of our soil. Iron, copper, boron, sulfur is one of the biggest ones too. Without sulfur, we don't have the right pH. It's a really important piece to the overall picture, right? And so I'll just briefly go through this. You know, my sulfur content was a 3.8, 3.7 or 3.8, you know, the optimal range there being between a 7 and a 20. Calcium, I'm, I'm off the charts in calcium, and I don't really understand why. I'm at like a 600 with my calcium when the optimal range is between 100 and 300. I don't know why I'm so high in calcium. It's kind of strange. I'm curious if it has anything to do with like what happened before I got here with the builders, but I know for sure that I've got really high cal calcium and really high magnesium, 139 on a scale between like 28 and 65, you know, that's, that's big, you know, like I've got really high levels of calcium and magnesium and it's possible that those are simply nutrients that have not been consumable by the lawn because typically those are things that would be used up. Calcium and magnesium would be used up pretty regularly in a regular fertilizer program because your pH is in balance and you're cutting it and you're feeding it and you're watering it right. But in my scenario, I'm doing all those things and my calcium and magnesium are still through the roof. So what that leads me to believe is that my pH is the biggest factor here. My lawn cannot uptake that calcium. It cannot uptake that magnesium until my pH is balanced. So that again, really gets back to, I need to correct the pH. And this is a bit of a slippery slope too, because the Magical products that you use to reduce the pH actually contain calcium and magnesium as two of the core elements. Now, I'm not super worried about adding these things because even though I'm high, I'm super high in these areas because the importance of the pH reduction far outweighs the excessive calcium and magnesium in my lawn. Those will get used when the pH is in balance. So again, I'm not super worried about that I'm going to use what I need to use in order to reduce my pH. And that's a primary number one step. Um, this is an interesting one here, though. So, so sodium. 
Sodium, man. So looking at my results, and I did two tests. I did one for the front and one for the back. The sodium content in the front is at a 40. <laughs> so like the optimal range for that is like between a 1 and a 30. So I'm, I'm well over the optimal range there. But in my backyard, it's a 2. Huge difference there. And why? Why is that happening? It's because of the street salt. Illinois is one of those states that we use street salt and the sodium content in that salt is so massive that you can, you can literally see it inside these results here. And so when you look at how I did my results, I chose to take plugs from all over my front lawn, probably six different areas, a plug or two from each area. And again, go ahead, watch the YouTube video and I really break this down. But the area that probably was hit the hardest were my two parkways. So had I done separate tests for just the parkway, so I'm thinking like my front lawn, my front side lawn, uh, the two side lawns in the front area, those probably like brought this number down a little bit. You know, I'm at a 40, but it was probably, I mean, those parkways were probably at like 90, you know, because these other areas probably very similarly like to my backyard were only at a two or a five. Maybe a little bit higher because like my driveway, I, I do use a little bit of salt on the driveway. Not much though. I try not to use sodium-based products for this reason because I know that it's detrimental to the soil health and it's really hard to, to get sodium out of your soil without just like blasting it with water, right? You just really got to soak it, soak it, soak it, and hopefully, you know, flush all of that sodium out. And that's something we should probably aim to do when we open our sprinklers or start irrigating is just to hit it, bomb it hard, give it a really, really, really good soak to try and get some of that stuff from winter out and, and leached into the soil. But yeah, so I was really fascinated by that. And it was really indicative of, you know, that issue that I'm, that I'm seeing here in the front, especially on those parkway areas where my sodium content is super high. And then going a little bit further, my iron, I've got only like a one, less than a one in the backyard. I got 0.18 in the backyard and I have a 1.5 in the front on a scale that could be between a four and 11. So again, what I, what I choose to use here needs to include some iron because I'm low there. Manganese, I'm low. Need to add there zinc, I'm low. Copper, I'm low. Boron, I'm low. Now again, these areas are not like massively critical, but if you don't have anything in these, so I have like 0.1 zinc, 0.2 copper, 0.5 boron. And, you know, the, the range here is, is, is small between a 0.1 and a 0.25, between a 0.07 and 0.28, but I have virtually none of that in my lawn. So that's kind of like the full scope of my soil testing. That's what these soil tests will give you, the results. And then it'll give you different ideas as to what you can use. But so my perspective on this, when I analyze my soil test, what do I need? I need to reduce my pH for sure. I need to add nitrogen. I need to add phosphorus. I need to add potassium and all of the micronutrients. So I'm pretty much low on everything except for calcium and magnesium. And those don't frighten me too much because once I reduce my pH, those are going to be used up by the soil. But I can know that going forward, I should look for products that do not have calcium and magnesium in the fertilizers. I can have them in my MagicCal product, but I do not want to have additional calcium and magnesium in any of my fertilizers that I choose. So what do I do with this, right? Now, now what products do I choose to purchase and, and what's my strategy for moving forward now that I have this soil test? A lot of people will be intimidated by all this information. And that's fine. You know, it, it's, it's definitely a lot more information than the beginner needs to look at. And 
there's a couple of strategies I want you to think about. If you're a beginner and you're just starting to, to work on your lawn and you've never applied a product, that's a key component here. You've never applied product or it's been several years or several seasons since you've applied a product. You can take this approach a little bit differently than someone like myself who really wants to target individual nutrients because you can get overwhelmed. Certainly you could say, well, this product has too much of this and this product has too much of that. They make starter fertilizer, which has like an equal balance in all three macronutrients. Most of them will not have a significant amount of micronutrients. And for that, I'll recommend something different. But if you're interested in kind of just getting a baseline, go out, throw down some starter fertilizer, which will have three equal numbers, like 10, 10, 10 would be perfect because that way you know you're increasing your nitrogen, you're increasing your phosphorus, you're increasing your potassium. You don't want to do that, though, if you've been applying products on a regular basis. If, you're, if you've been applying, then you want to know where you're at in order to get things that have the right composition. So let's, let me just run you through my first application. The first thing that I did is really this pre-step of a pH stabilizer. And I chose to go with a MatchCal product by Jonathan Green. And I used that at the recommended three pounds per 1,000 square feet because I know I need to get my pH right in order for my other elements to be absorbed by the plant appropriately. So that first fertilizer that I chose I knew it needed to have nitrogen. I knew it needed to have phosphorus and potassium because I'm low in all those areas. I chose a product that has 212204. And remember, that's the percent of nitrogen, the phosphorus, and the percent of potassium. When you approach your lawn and you start to think about fertilizer, you're going to be asking yourself, what's enough? And what's too much? Well, that's going to be heavily dependent on your grass type. So I have Kentucky bluegrass and a lot of the northern season grasses are going to follow the same suit here. A Kentucky bluegrass lawn only needs between six and seven pounds of nitrogen per year. Now that's on the heavy side. I would almost recommend less than that being four to five pounds for a novice. If you're not comfortable applying product on a regular basis. You don't want to push your lawn as hard as I do. And sometimes I know when to push and I know when to pull back. Sometimes in the summer months, I'll reduce my nitrogen input. And you got, you got to think about this. So I'm applying fertilizer on a monthly basis. It just works for me. For me, it's I understand that every single month I need to be doing something. Somewhere around the 15th, I choose to, to start applying my products. It works out because you're not able to do a whole lot in early March. So March 15th is kind of my the window that I open things if I'm able to. So it's March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. And I usually end it on my birthday. That's November 15th. So that gives me the opportunity. You know, dad gets out and throws his last round of fertilizer. He gets a nice mow in. It's nice. It's a nice day. Uh, but that means that I have between six and nine total applications to do throughout the year. So let's do the math here. If I get lucky and I get to do every month between March and, and November. Because when you think about it, if I get nine applications times 0.75, that's 6.75 pounds. Right? That's, that's close to my upper bound of seven. But that's, that's if I'm lucky and I get all nine months. Now, if I do seven months, then it's... 7 times 0.75 is 5.25. So I'm well within that range of 
you know, between four and seven. I always shoot between six and seven because that's where I like to be. But if I don't get March and I don't get November, then I'd be in underneath that a little bit. So do your research. Find out what your particular grass type is calling for with nitrogen to make sure that you're not hurting the lawn in any way. It's really important not to overapply nitrogen for multiple reasons because you can get leaf spot as well as the thatch issue. Kentucky bluegrass is known to grow a dense sod. And so with that, it, it comes with a lot of thatch. It's important to make sure that we're on top of that. And if you watch the YouTube show, the, the YouTube show, if you watch the YouTube video that I put out, the only YouTube video on our channel, I, I explain my thatch layer there. And I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed by those plugs that I pulled, but we talked about that earlier. Feel free to check that out. But that's kind of indicative too of, of a Kentucky bluegrass and what happens here. So over applying nitrogen is not what you want to do. And so I know that I'll always stay under my yearly maximums if I apply less than a pound of nitrogen per application. Now, however frequently you want to be doing this is important. For me, I do it monthly. Some people can go up to eight weeks and they can increase that level of nitrogen that they put down. If you go every eight weeks, you could be applying close to the upper bound of like a pound and a half. But I'm always targeting for this like 0.75 pounds of nitrogen. But how do I calculate that with this particular bag of fertilizer that I chose to use? Now, we talked earlier about what product it was. It was that Scott Starter Fert with Mesotrione. So first things that you have to do, you have to find the analysis on the bag. And the analysis is going to tell you how much nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium is in that bag of fertilizer. It's going to be those three numbers that are on the front of your bag. It's going to be, for instance, this one, a 21.2204. So this bag is 21% nitrogen, 22% phosphorus, and 4% potassium. Great. You know, how do I calculate that in pounds of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet that I keep talking about? You know, a lot of these manufacturers will tell you that it covers... 2,500 square feet or it covers, for, for instance, this bag says that it covers 5,000 square feet. Well, that's a bit of a pet peeve of mine because I'll tell you how much it covers. I'm, it's my yard. <laughs> You're not going to tell me how much this covers. I will choose how much this covers by how much I spread it and where it goes and, and all that. So it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine when I think about people telling me how much this covers. And they're, they're usually right when I end up doing the math, but let's break it down so that we can understand for, for ourselves how do we calculate these pounds of nitrogen to make sure we're doing due diligence to avoid over-applying nitrogen on an annual basis and on a per-application basis as well. So we find the, the weight on the bag. You know, this one in particular is a 21.5-pound bag. And we know from the analysis that it's 21% nitrogen. So 21.5 times 0.21 equals 4.515 pounds of nitrogen per bag. Right? So if the bag weighs 21 and a half pounds and 21% or 4.515 is nitrogen, how do we get pounds per thousand? Well, this is where the size of your lawn is important. I have a 10,000 square foot lawn, so I divide this by 10. 4.515 divided by 10 is 0.4515. That's 
0.45 pounds of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet if I choose to spread this product across my entire 10,000 square foot lawn, right? So that's just shy of a half a pound. Now this says it covers 5,000 square feet. So if I doubled that, right, and used two bags to make my 10,000 square feet per the manufacturer, then I've just put down 0.9, almost a full pound of nitrogen. Well, I have, I have problems with that because if I put down a, a 0.9 pounds of nitrogen, that's it. I'm at my upper bound. I can't apply anything else with nitrogen. That's why I chose to cut this in half. It covers 5,000 square feet, but I need it to cover 10,000 square feet. So when I do that, it gives me 0.45 pounds of nitrogen, just shy of a half a pound, which is exactly where I need to be. My strategy for this was, first of all, it has nitrogen, and I know I need nitrogen. Second of all, it has phosphorus, and I know I need phosphorus. Third of all, it has potassium, I need potassium, but it's also got that mesotrione in there. Now that mesotrione is kind of a, is a hot button, and, it's, and I just discussed about, you know, weed and feed products. We don't like weed and feed products. So this is, again, another do as I say, not as I do, because this product works really well in two areas. And part of why I chose to use this was it is an identifier for other weeds in my lawn. Tenacity turns everything white. And that's what I love about it. It like bleaches it, from, it kills it from the inside by not allowing it to photosynthesize. I can hear other people buzzing around me. <laughs> I, I know what other people in the lawn care community are going to say when, with regard to this product. But it's a product that will highlight those things for me. I have real tenacity. And when you read the label, you'll understand you need to apply multiple times to eradicate weeds. But what this does really well is it prevents dandelions. It, it's pretty remarkable. Every time that I've used mesotrione or this particular product uh, at the right time, it has done a phenomenal job at preventing dandelions. Now, normally I wouldn't suggest this product because it's very expensive. It's like $55 a bag. Now, if I were to use two bags here, would it cost me over a hundred bucks to apply this product? It is all synthetic material. It has a weed and feed in it and it has no organics. So you're sitting here scratching your head like you're doing the exact opposite of what I asked you to do here. You want to put down organic material. We talked about this, but yes and no. And this is the kind of strategizing I want everybody to be doing with their lawn after they get their soil test. So think about this. I've opted to cut that in half and use one pound for my 10,000 square feet to get half a pound because my next portion of this strategy is to apply an organic fertilizer. I want to get down something that has the ability to, to build the microbial health in my soil, something that has biosolids, something that has biochar, something with carbon. I want to make sure that I'm putting in more than just this synthetic material. It's kind of like our diet in a modern world, right? We get some of our food sources that give us the nutrients that we need. We eat a piece of steak, we eat a piece of fish, and it gives us the protein that we need. But maybe we're not getting enough vitamin C. Maybe we're not getting enough from our fruit. Maybe we're not getting enough vitamin B or whatever. So we take a vitamin to make up for that, a synthetic vitamin to make up for that. It's very similar here, right? We may get a lot of those different things from one type of fertilizer, and we're going to get a good source of nitrogen from that fertilizer I'm putting down. We're going to get a good source of phosphorus too, and a little bit of that prevention from dandelions. 
and the indicators for me when the other weeds start to turn white. Those will highlight when I need to come back and hit it with an herbicide. So those are all things that I want. Those are all things that I want. On top of that, I got it for seven bucks a bag at Lowe's. They're rebranding the entire product and I got it for dirt cheap. So absolutely, it's in my garage. I'm going to use it. I want people to think about this. It's not just what the soil test says. It's not just the recommendation that they tell you you need to put down when. Think about your strategy because you can tune it to whatever makes sense for you, whatever products you've got in the garage or whatever you need to go get to make sure that you're doing exactly what you want to do. So how am I going to make up that other quarter pound? I opted to use a Milorganite product. This is something that a lot of people are familiar with in our lawn care group, but it's kind of a saving grace to beginners because you, you can apply this product and you have very little fear of burning your lawn, right? It's because you need to apply a significant amount in order to, to exceed the amount of nitrogen that's going to really burn your soil. So that I, I opted for this product because it's made of a biosolid, and I really wanted something that's going to help feed the microbial life in my soil. Milorganite is a 640. It's a 32-pound bag, and this one's important. This is one that a lot of people are going to be using, so this is something that people should, should definitely understand when they're, when they're working with this product. Um, Lorganite is a 640, and I feel like the more times that I go through this, the more it's going to start to click. It was, it was a bit confusing for me at first, but once you understand this and you run through it in a few different scenarios, it starts to make more sense. So Lorganite is a 640, it's a 32-pound bag. 32 times 0.06, right? 0.06 is the 6% nitrogen, gives you 1.92 pounds of nitrogen per bag. Great. Now we know how many pounds of nitrogen are in that bag. I have 10,000 square feet. If I'm going to divide that by 10 to find out what that would be across my entire yard, 0.192 pounds of nitrogen. That's not quite enough. I haven't hit that three quarter pound yet. I want to be between three quarter pound and one pound of nitrogen. That's my goal. So I double that. I double how much I'm putting down in the organic fertilizer. 1.92 plus 1.92 gives me 0.384. So add that to 0.4515. That gives me to 0.8355 pounds of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet. Boom. Did I lose anybody? <laughs> I, I probably did. But here's the thing. I was able to put down one bag of the Scottsdale fertilizer, two bags of the Milorganite. I don't have any product left over. I put down 0.835 pounds of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet. It's perfect. It's right where I want to be. Think about that, right? So think about that from your perspective. If you only want to use Milorganite, 32 pounds times 0.06 is 1.92. If you have a 5,000 square foot lawn, that same bag is going to cover, it's going to give you about 0.384 pounds of nitrogen, right? Because we're doing 1.92 divided by 5. What if you have 2,500 square feet? Take that same number, 1.92 divided by 2.5 gives you 0.768. And guess what? That's what the bag tells you. The bag tells you it covers 2,500 square feet, and they're not lying. It gives you about three-quarter pound of nitrogen when you use it at the bag rate. And, and that's fine. But now we know why. It's not just taking the word from the manufacturer that this covers 2,500 square feet. But they're right. In this case, it does. And 
the Scott's product, they're wrong because I did not want to apply that much nitrogen because I wouldn't have had the flexibility to add this organic material. So think about that with your strategy. You may have multiple products you want to apply. Work with them. Do the math. Make sure you're not over-applying anything. And read the labels. Just be cognizant of what the labels include so that you can make sure you know what's going into the lawn. Not just the, the thing that says covers 2,500 square feet. Not the thing that says kills dandelions, right? Understand what's in it. Understand the products. And use them wisely. You know, but that's my target. I'm always looking to be between 0.75 and one pound of nitrogen per application that I choose to do. Now, if I can go right at that 0.75, that means I can do that every four weeks, every four to five weeks. If you go higher to that one pound, then you then you maybe want to hold off every six weeks. If you go a pound and a half, that's really pushing it. But you, you can then go about eight weeks before you need to refertilize. But I have problems with that because you're going to see a lot of that nutrient get used up in those first couple of weeks. And it's just not going to carry over to those last several weeks. And that's what a lot of the services will do. They'll apply a heavy, high nitrogen content at a rate of about a pound to a pound and a half every time they do it. And they'll come every eight to 10 weeks. But by that 10th week, by that eighth or 10th week, you're starting to notice that your grass is hungry and that it needs it. So I more or less spoon feed as often as I can. I go about every four weeks. And in addition to my regular fertilizer programs, making sure that I'm getting down 0.75 pounds of nitrogen per application, I'm also doing monthly micronutrient applications. And this, again, is a very hot topic because there are ways to do this easily and there's ways to do this not so easily, and it's all dependent on your particular equipment. Now, what I've been talking about really is like a granular type fertilizer, and that's, that's how I've applied my product. But you can totally go the liquid route. And this is what I do for my micronutrients. I use a line of micronutrients or you know, biostimulants, they call them, in order to get those finer nutrients. The things like the calcium, the magnesium, the manganese, zinc, copper, boron. All that's going to be found in my micronutrients. And I get that from products like aerate and RGS and humic acid and all that stuff. Those are different micronutrients that are going to be able to to feed my soil. The big one that I like to use is a microgreen. This is an OO2 microgreen product that comes in a biostimulant pack from the next the next lines. Um, and you could totally do whatever product you want, but this is what I choose to use. But that microgreen is really critical in targeting all those little micronutrients. And it's great. I use it once a month at about a four to eight ounces per 1000 uh, uh, ratio. That's great because that covers me in all that and, and all those areas. But that's going to be dependent on your situation, what type of equipment you've got. I've recently updated my sprayer to accommodate the necessity for me to be able to apply liquids efficiently. Up until now, I've been using a really bad sprayer and I've been using ortho hose end sprayers and it's just been an absolute mess and I've hated putting down biostimulants. It's just, it's a, it's a chore for me and I really don't enjoy it. But I, I know how critical it is because, man, like within a day or two of putting this stuff down, you notice right away that the, the lawn is healthier. I put down my, my last round on Sunday. Today is Tuesday, and it looks 100 times better already. It's crazy how quickly these things can get into the soil when they're, they're applied by liquid. 
And that same thing goes for fertilizer. If you're going to do a liquid fertilizer program, by all means, you know, you can probably get it pretty cheap. I recently upgraded to the flow zone, which is now allowing me to apply liquids a lot more efficiently. And that's just been a godsend. But to counteract that liquid issue, I have been purchasing some soil amendment products that are applicable by granular. Things like a soil mastery or like a humichar you'll hear or biochar is another buzzword people are using a lot. And you can find some of these humic acids. You can find some of these other micronutrients inside of those products. And I, I encourage you to look at that. You're not going to be as um, concentrated as you would from a liquid program, but it's definitely an option for people that are not eager to purchase a $300 plus sprayer or don't want to get out and refill their hose end sprayer multiple times to apply it multiple times. So that's something that really, again, is just going to come down to your particular preference and your particular need in terms of what you need in your lawn and, and how it's going to work for you. I've, I, you know, I really enjoy doing the liquids now that I've got the flows on, but beforehand it was terrible. So that's really my piece on, on fertilizer because it's so specific that I, I can't really dive too much deeper into what your lawn will need. That's a really good analysis of what my lawn needs right now. And my goal moving forward this season is to make sure that all of the products that I use will have some kind of additional filler that is beneficial to the soil, right? I need to make sure that I'm giving it organic material. I need to make sure that I'm building humus. I need to make sure that it's getting some biosalad and biochar in there. So as you follow along with me this season, you're going to see me applying a lot of different products. And I don't recommend all those products for you. It's going to be a situational type thing for you and your soil. But when you get your test results back, do this. Do this exercise. Find out exactly where your optimal range is and then go online and look at different products that are going to give you these different nutrients in the values that you need them. You know, you want to make sure... You're not over applying in certain areas. This is going to help you out big time. It's also going to help you save money because you don't then need to buy products that are more expensive, that have more nutrients, if you've already got a good standing of nutrients in there, right? You know, and, and it's also going to help you just target your overall strategy. So if you haven't gone and taken a soil sample and gotten a soil test, that's my first recommendation. Go do that. Find out what's in your soil. If you're not willing to do that, Start to think about what you've done to your lawn in the last couple seasons and if it can benefit from something like a starter fertilizer. When you get your test results back, look at them. Look at them really closely and determine exactly the deficiencies that you're seeing and find out what products have the things that you need to add to it. And do your best to, to sort of uh, you know, find the ratios that are necessary to, to make sure you're optimizing that need. If you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to us at the Facebook page, on Instagram, now on YouTube. Woo! And, you know, we're here to help you out. If you've got specific soil test questions, that's a great place to ask them. Man, oh, one thing I wanted to chat before I let you guys go was, you know, you know how I like to stay relevant with this. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with weird weather. This is another reason why fertilizers are just such a gamble in the early spring. Uh, we've had weather down into like the 30s. My, I, I took my garden outside to start hardening for, you know, to be able to plant it outside because that should be happening like right now. But I took it out for literally three or four hours the other day and it got completely scorched by the sun. It was terrible. I was so upset. 
we had like one 80 degree day and it really wasn't that hot, but took it out and they, they got scorched. But then we were down into the thirties and then we were up into the forties and fifties. It was such a, such a weird cold spell here in like the late April, early May. And then now I'm looking at the weather and we're supposed to be like 85 degrees every single day next week which is outrageous. Like there was no middle ground this spring at all. Now, everyone will say, oh, it's such a weird spring. Everyone, we, this is like every year. The spring every year is so volatile when it comes to the amount of rain, when it comes to the amount of heat that you're going to get between April and May. It's just another reason why anybody that chose to do a seeding project, anybody that chose to do something like that has really been struggling. You know, you're dealing with this volatile weather all over the board here and I don't know. It's it's just crazy to me. It's another reason why I choose to save all that for the fall. I, I couldn't imagine having seed out right now and trying to manage keeping that healthy and alive between 40, you know, 35 degree temperatures all the way up to 85 during the day, high winds, no rain. It's a mess. So is it possible? Absolutely. Do I recommend it? No, I don't recommend it at all. So, um, yeah, we're saving all that for, for our discussions here in the fall. But in the meantime, while temperatures are at, are at where they're at, get your irrigation schedules ready. Next week, we absolutely need irrigation. If you haven't yet listened to episode five, go back, hit that button, listen to that episode because it's really critical. If your yard is in 85 plus degree temperatures and is not being irrigated, it's going to zap it, it's going to go, and it's going to start to go dormant. If you've applied fertilizer without irrigation in this week, very little rain, very high temperatures. Go back, listen to that episode, get your strategy on point for the season moving forward. All right, so with that, I'm going to let you all off. Take care, stay safe, and until the next one, we'll see you. The Grass Station Podcast provides weekly updates, tips, product reviews, and coaching on cool season residential lawn programs, helping you save time, effort, and money all season long.